0: Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The real look. Trending news. G'day. Today's Wednesday, August 2nd. I'm Bruce Hardy, and this is the news you need to know. Well, with the gross domestic product eclipsing expectations in Q2, the U.S. appears to have avoided a long-predicted recession, even as the real estate industry remains mired in a deep contraction. Hmm, those are headlines, and I'm going to share a differing point of view here. But uh, the long-predicted U.S. economic recession has failed to materialize so far this year, even as the real estate industry remains mired in a deep sector-specific contraction. You know, I think about this as real estate professionals, we need to be aware of what's going on in the market, not in a bad way, but just being informed. I'm going to include in our show notes a couple of really important graphs, and they show home sales historically going back to 1990. Now, for those of us who've been in the business long enough to remember the last great recession back in 2008, if we look at what happened, what transpired during that period of time, in fact, in 2006, in the US, we closed 6.5 million homes that year. And in 2007, we closed 5 million homes. And then 2008, the bottom fell out, and we actually closed 4.1 million homes. That's historically. Now, if we look at what's occurred over the last couple of years, and we know that you know having gone through COVID and the bump that we got as the government pumped enormous amounts of money into the economy, we're starting to see similar things. In fact, in 2021, as an industry, we closed 6.1 million homes. In 2022, we closed 5 million homes. And then we are currently on track with the reporting of the numbers from National Association of Realtors. In June, we actually closed 4.16 million in an annualized number. So those numbers are eerily similar to what took place back in 2008. Now, understand that the underlying economics and our economy are very different than they were in 2008. However, the real estate market is behaving like it did back then. Now, the challenge that we have is because of the low inventory, we're seeing multiple offers still. We're seeing property selling for in excess of listing price. And that is all wonderful news. However, we're selling a third less homes than we did two years ago. Jason, my goal here with this podcast is to inform those of us who've made this industry ours. And I say this not to be a downer, but simply to be prepared. So if inventory sold, right, if if home sales are down 30% or 33%, have you re-margined your life by that amount? Now, it's not enough to say, well, you know, I've cut my expenses in my business. What we know in real estate is a lot of us, our lifestyle runs with our production. I just want to put that out there. It's a warning. I believe that we are not out of the woods yet, and it's going to take us some time before we actually get back on track. So if we look at the GDP numbers that came out last week, it actually showed that the economy is surprisingly resilient, but it's slowing down slightly. What's interesting about that, those numbers were held back by a reduction in exports and the housing industry that continues to trend downward albeit at a slower pace than it was plummeting earlier in the year and later last year. Private residential investment was nearly 19% lower in the second quarter of this year than it was last year. So sales of existing homes continue to weigh down the government's measure of housing productivity, which also includes, by the way, brokers' commissions on those sales in addition to the building of structures. So I think we need to be cautious and and be careful about the sensational headlines and everyone saying, no, it's a different economy now and we're all good. Guys, what we know is that night follows day and day follows night. Real estate is a cyclical market. In fact, there are two prevailing theories for what is happening in the economy, right? The first and more common goes something like this. While rising interest rates have slowed things a bit, the economy is generally healthy and more resilient than many expected. And ultimately, inflation is coming down, so eventually the Fed will begin lowering rates and we'll see either a soft landing or a potentially mild slowdown. But actually, things are overall pretty good. That is a prevailing theory. Now, the second theory goes more like this. The effects of rising interest rates have yet to really start impacting things. It's not that the economy is strong so much as it just takes a long time for these things to play out. The current period of seemingly little impact has created a false sense of confidence and like a dam that is structurally flawed, the pressure is building slowly, but most will not realize anything is wrong until that final tipping point when the pressure ultimately becomes too great and the dam breaks. That sounds like a bit of a bummer, doesn't it? But let's look back at history, right? And what we're looking for is patterns. The patterns that we see that continue to show up. Let's look at the last major recession, right? The 2008 great financial crisis. The events of that time period appear compressed when we look back. But the truth, of course, is they weren't. There was a long lag between the cause and the effect. And that delay misled markets as far back as 2004, the Fed began raising interest rates from a low of 1% to the peak of 5.25%. By the way, what is interest rates today? Oh, 5.25, and the fastest rise we've seen in history. By the way, that high of 5.25 occurred in the summer of 2006. Now, from that point of peak interest rates, it took roughly another 18 months Before the official start of the recession in January of 2008. Now, of course, few, if any, knew that we were actually in a recession even at that point. In fact, the stock market was still near its historic highs, and it took roughly another 12 months before the stock market reached its bottom in February of 2009. And by the way, it dropped more than 50%. And that's a full two and a half years after interest rates had peaked. Of course, That's just one recession, right? That's one data point. Let's look at the late 70s and early 80s, the last time we experienced runaway inflation, and arguably the period closest in kind to our current circumstance. In an effort to combat resurfacing inflation, federal chairman Paul Volcker, many remember his name, he famously raised rates from 10% in mid-1980 to a peak of 19% by early 1981. However, it took roughly another nine months before the recession began in summer of 1981 and another full year after that point before the stock market reached its bottom in the summer of 1982, having once again fallen more than 30%. If we go back through the data, what you'll see, this phenomenon of a long lag between interest rates hikes and the start of a recession has occurred in every recession going all the way back to 1954 which by the way, was the start of Federal Reserve data. I say this again, not to concern you, but to prepare you. I believe that we're going to see things slow down much later than we thought they were going to. In fact, if we take the Fed's own forecast, the Federal Reserve is predicting that rates will peak in December of this year. Now, assuming the average lag times from previous recessions, This would mean the recession would not actually begin until October of 2024, while the stock market would not reach its bottom until the fall of 2025. The point is, is that the lag is much longer than most people recognize. Now, by the way, as I share that, I hope you're actually heartened by that, because we have time. You know what they say, make hay while the sun shines, and the sun is shining, we have got to go out and make hay cut your expenses, re-margin your life, re-margin your business, and get prepared for that. What we know is that it's in the downtimes are the greatest opportunities to build wealth, right? When you can buy real estate or you can buy assets at pennies on the dollar, that's a massive opportunity. I just want to leave this. Between now and then, history suggests we may experience what we might call a FOMO trap, right? As the stock market delivers a series of rallies and subsequent dips, by the way, much as we've seen recently, as it stair steps its way down to an eventual floor, like it has really in every recession going back to the 1950s. Now, at last week's Federal Reserve meeting, Chairman Jay Powell said more housing supply is coming online. However, the new home sales report begs to differ. We only have 72,000 new homes completed for sale in a country of 335 million people. And active inventory is near all-time lows. So how do you feel about that? Do you think that the new construction industry is going to actually come and save us, right? The biggest challenge we have right now is a lack of inventory. And we know that that lack of inventory is caused by a couple of things. One is we have a lot of people who are rate locked they took advantage of historically low interest rates. And now for them to trade out of that, they're going to have to give up that interest rate to go to actually what would be considered a higher interest rate. And I want to put that in perspective too, by the way. You understand that if we look back over the last 40 to 50 years, the average interest rate in this country is around seven and a half percent. Again, perspective matters. If you think back during the housing bubble, and the crash years, active listings grew to more than 4 million in 2007. Because by the way, most of the inventory that we get to sell in this country comes from the existing home market. Contrast that with 2023, where we actually have 1.08 million active listings. So basically 25% of the homes available that we had back in 2007. Now, if we take a look at news from the Census Bureau, new home sales of new single family houses in June 2023 were at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 697,000. We've talked in past newscasts that we've done, we need to be at about a million homes a year, new homes built. So 697 is a number that's way lower than that. And again, in order to catch up the lag that we had from the recession back in 2008, we actually need to be building more than a million homes a year in order to meet that backlog. The challenge that our builders have is that they actually currently have 7.4 months of inventory. Now, what we know in our industry is that anything less than four months of inventory would be considered a seller's market. Four to six months becomes more balanced and above six months is actually a buyer's market. So builders are reluctant to start building new homes because they've still got a lot of supply to get rid of. What's interesting about new construction, of course, is it's a different market than the existing home sales market because it's a commodity. And the builders are, are building homes to make a profit. Obviously, their goal is to limit supply so they can actually have a higher profit margin. When they have too much supply, then they have to discount and offer incentives in order to get their home sold. So when we think about it, new home sales are still only at 1995 levels today. So it's not exactly a booming market. So I don't know where Jay Powell is getting his optimism about our inventory. But, you know, we'll watch and see. That's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Molly LeBlanc with Keller Williams, Portland Central in Portland, Oregon. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.